Hello and welcome to the 24th episode of Woman, Conversations for the Curious, a podcast I created for women looking to squeeze more juice out of life. I'm Amy Crawford, founder of The Holistic Ingredient. I'm a mindset therapist, whole food lover, and more than a little bit passionate about helping you feel comfortable around what it is to be a woman. So today on the podcast, I'm really looking forward to introducing you to Sarah Rusbatch. Now, Sarah is a certified health and wellness coach, accredited grey area drinking coach and a passionate ambassador for supporting women change their relationship with alcohol for good. Sarah, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me come and talk to you. Um, Now, Sarah, I'm eager to chat to you about your journey and how you came to be working as an ambassador, supporting women through their relationship with alcohol. But actually, the first question I had for you, because I'm just eager to know the answer to this, is what exactly is grey area drinking? And you're not the first person to ask me this. It's quite a new term, particularly over here in Australia. So if you think about someone's drinking as being on a scale of one to ten, Um, So one might be that elusive person. We all know that one person that might have a glass of champagne at a wedding and otherwise doesn't think about alcohol. It doesn't come into their head. It isn't part of their life. It's just there or it's not there. They just don't have any kind of relationship with it. Ten at the other end of the scale would be someone who has a physical dependency on alcohol. Um, What some would class as being an alcoholic, but I have issues with that term anyway, so I'm not going to use that term, but 10 is being someone who's physically dependent on alcohol and would need to have medical intervention to stop drinking because they would die if they just suddenly stopped. So you've got two ends of the scale there. And so what's in the middle? And that is grey area drinking. So that is perhaps the person um, who is maybe a six or seven or eight on that scale. So someone who has perhaps a dysfunctional relationship with alcohol, they find it that perhaps they've got to that point where they're making rules around their alcohol. Perhaps they are regularly binge drinking. Perhaps they're every morning waking up and going, right, I'm not drinking tonight, but by five o'clock they are having a glass of wine because they've just got that habit. And I consider grey area drinking, most people who are grey area drinkers are highly functioning. I was. So to the outside world, they're holding down a job they're like me, I was running half marathons, I had a business, I had two young kids, I was running a house, um, but I was drinking excessively. Um, not every day, but, but a lot, a lot above the, the recommended um, amount anyway. But there was nowhere for me to go for support. And there's nowhere for people in that area to get support because they don't necessarily identify as being an alcoholic. So they don't want to go to an AA meeting and stand up in a room and say, I'm Sarah, I'm an alcoholic, because that's not the label that they would give themselves. But equally, they do have a dysfunctional relationship with alcohol, and they don't know where to go to get help. And so that's grey area drinking. And that's the area that I work with, with women who want to change their relationship with alcohol, who perhaps want to build new coping strategies for stress, or or whatever the reason is that they're drinking, so that they are um, not so dependent on it. Okay, right. Now that makes lots of sense. So now I understand that you gave up alcohol uh, beginning of 2019, about two and a half years ago. Um, Was there a defining moment for you that helped you make this decision or was it like accumulation of different factors? I'd say the start of that was in 2017. 
Um, there was one defining moment, but I wouldn't call it the defining moment. I think there were probably quite a few moments, but particularly at this party in 2017, I'd gone to a friend's 40th, a school mum. I got drank a bottle of champagne before I got there. I drank a lot of champagne while I was there. I went outside for a fag because I smoked when I drank, um, wearing high heels, which I never normally wear, really drunk, crouched down to put out a cigarette, had no reflexes, didn't put my hands down, toppled forward, landed on my face, cut my lip open, cut my nose open, whole of my face bleeding. Um, went home uh, because I was so drunk, I probably shouldn't have just gone home, but I did, passed out and woke up the next morning to my five-year-old daughter standing over the bed, looking at me going, mummy, what happened to your face? And the feeling, Amy, that I had in that moment was of such shame and such um, self-loathing. Um, and that was probably the start of me questioning my relationship with alcohol. A couple of weeks, the funny thing is, was well, not funny, but the weird thing about all of that is that I can distinctly remember the next day, that, that next day after that party, um, I felt so hideous that I drank. Isn't it, it's weird the way alcohol works. It was the thing that had caused all of this. It had made me feel so dreadful physically. It made me fall over. And yet I can remember needing a glass of wine the next day to take the edge off. Mm. That was when I just kind of went, this has got to change. So I took a break um, and I did a hundred days and felt amazing. Can I, can I just ask there, when you yeah. took that break, did you go cold turkey? Yeah. Cold turkey. And th this was in 2017. There was very few support groups at that point in terms of Facebook groups or podcasts, or there weren't that many books. But I just had this inherent feeling in me. I intended to do 21 days, um, as I thought three weeks would be a good amount of time to take off. But I just felt so good that I just wanted to keep going because it was the first time I'd got to know me without alcohol. Because, mm -hmm. even, I mean, I wouldn't even call my pregnancy at the time that I got to know me because my hormones were so screwed that I was a bit all over the place anyway. And so this was the first time as an adult that I'd got to know who I was without alcohol. And do you know what? I really liked her. I was, I was happier. I had more energy. I was more positive. I felt more content, like all of these positives. But at the back of my mind, there was this, but you can't give up forever. Like, that's just ridiculous. So I did my 100 days. And lots of friends were kind of like, you know, when are you drinking again? When is this going to stop? You know, because I was fun party girl, Sarah. And that was kind of my identity was all tied up in, in the Sarah that everyone came to mind for drinks before we went out. Everyone came back to mine after the pub closed. It was that kind of house. So I did this break. And then I thought, oh, I'm fixed now. I've taken 100 days off. I've clearly reset. I clearly don't have a problem because if I was an alcoholic, I wouldn't have been able to just stop for 100 days. And so then I went back to drinking and within a month I was back to drinking the levels that I was before because I didn't know then what I know now about how it all works. So what followed for me then was two years of being stuck in this kind of moderation cycle of trying to moderate, not being able to, taking extended breaks, not being so convinced in my sobriety that it was going to be a long term thing. So going back to drinking getting back to the level of drinking that I had been at before, the self-loathing. And then I started getting really bad anxiety the next day after drinking. And I'm never someone who's never really suffered from anxiety before. Um, I can still remember having a panic attack one morning, walking my kids to school. Just things like that started to happen. And I just remember thinking there had to be another way of life. And I knew there was because I'd had a glimpse of Sarah, sober Sarah, I'd had a glimpse of who she was without alcohol. So then I just had this real tug of war and then I just went, I'm going to 
do a year because I'd never done a year before. So I set the date for April 2019, the day after a friend's 40th. Um, I was going to go to that 40th, have my last drink. I think inside I knew it was going to be forever, but I couldn't say that out loud because that still felt way too scary. So I said, I'm going to do a year because I've never done a year before. Um, and sure enough, I've never looked back. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um saying it out loud that it's going to be forever does feel quite confronting doesn't it and it also when you think about it it's it, it also what comes with that with that is that sort of that real energy of um discipline and great courage and strength and so it's just easier to soften it isn't it and just say you know what I'm just going to do it for a year and see how we go yeah the problem with that though I imagine for some people is it just for want of a better word, leaves too much of a grey area and too much of, it's an easy way out in some respects, isn't it? Well, yeah. It is, but what I think, what we have to consider is what happens to our mind over the course of that year. And I think that what happened to me was I started to see alcohol for what it really was. I did a lot of reading. I listened to a lot of podcasts. I really started to understand the alcohol industry, big alcohol and how all of that worked, the marketing behind it, the subliminal messaging. And then I was like, I want to create a life for myself that I don't even want to escape from and I don't want to numb from. So now the work that I do with women is about creating a life where you love it so much you don't need the alcohol. Because if we just think we're taking alcohol out, it feels like we're missing out. We've got to look at if we're taking alcohol out, what are we adding in? And what, we, what are we doing to create a more fulfilling life? So, And that's what happened to me over the course of that year was by the end of that year, it was kind of like, you couldn't pay me to have a drink now. Like it, the, the shift in mindset is so enormous that now I've got to that point where it's like, I wouldn't even want to drink. Mm. Um, I don't feel like I'm missing out. I feel like I've gained so much. Mm, and that's the real shift in mindset that needs to happen, isn't it? I remember a friend of mine, so many of my listeners will know that I went on, a, I had a three-month, um, gave myself a three-month alcohol challenge back in 2019, so around the same time as you, and that um, continued as it was until 16 months, and I'll come back to the end of that story a little bit later. Um, but I remember, like you, feeling incredible, feeling great clarity. I felt empowered. I felt more confident. I felt like myself for the first time in most of my adult years. And it was really interesting, for instance, hearing from one of my male friends who I went to school with and who I used to party with. He said, but Ames, I don't know who I'll be without alcohol because he said, I'll lose my sense of humour. I won't be funny anymore. And it's so interesting because he's a really naturally funny guy, but we are, we believe we have this misconception that alcohol makes us more interesting, funnier, more confident, but it's incredible. One, I think the most significant thing I noticed when I gave up alcohol was the confidence that came. I just, because you feel so empowered and you feel like, it's just such a bloody good achievement, isn't it? And that alone yeah. makes you, gives you strength. Yeah. It's what yeah. it brings to you. It's not what it takes away. Mm. Yeah. And lots of people will say to me, how do you have fun without alcohol? Because so many of us have had it tied up in society today and in our culture that when you're doing anything for fun, you must drink alcohol. 
Um, and, you know, it would always be like, oh, sorry, I'm the sober driver tonight. Like, well, you know, the whole language we use around it, the body language and everything. Whereas now the freedom I have from not relying on alcohol to find my fun means that I'm not just waiting to put that onus on the specific time when I might be drinking because my fun and my contentment and my joy can come at any point during the day without it being reliant on me having a glass of wine in my hand. But if you told me that before, I'd have just laughed in your face and gone, yeah, whatever. But it really is true. Like there is just such a mindset shift that Mm -hmm. happens when we take an extended break from alcohol. But the really sad thing is that most adults in the Western world will never know what that feels like because they don't do it Mm. um, unless they have to. And I think that's a very good point. I actually think for many people it's the when they consider many women, when they consider giving up alcohol, part of the considerable worry for them is how they cope, how they'll cope with the pressure of their peer group. You know, and because I, when I gave up, I had numerous women say to me, I really love to do it, but people just keep putting so much pressure on me and they keep picking on me and they tell me I'm boring. And, you know, that's, that must be a, substantial part of the work that you need you do with women to kind of bolster their resilience during that I imagine that be fair absolutely Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and that's why I run sober challenges because there are women in these challenges and we have a private group where they can connect with each other and talk to each other because it can feel really lonely and the peer pressure that we can feel can be so high that um it dep- we have to be so strong in our why as to why we're doing this. Otherwise, we will just crumble, you know, in those first few weeks. But having the support of others and knowing that you've got others going through the same thing through the online community um, is essential yeah. um, in those early days. Because just knowing you've got someone in your pocket, like we've got, I'm running a dry, uh, July alcohol-free challenge at the moment. And we've got women in the UK, in South Africa, in Ireland, in New Zealand, all over Australia and the States. And any time of day, there's someone awake and someone will send a message and go, I've got, I'm really craving, I've had a crap day, the kids have done my head in, my husband being a dick, I really need to just have a drink. And within seconds, they will just have all these replies from people going, go and have a bath, go for a walk, go and listen to this podcast, it will really, you know, help you. And, and that Amazing. is so important. Yeah, and it's funny you should say that because I actually did my first three-month challenge with a really dear mate of mine. We did it together and we just kept checking in. And both of us went through very similar phases that there was sort of, and actually, am I right in saying I went cold turkey and I found that relatively surprisingly easy. I thought it would be much harder than it was. Going cold turkey is an, I mean, I was very grateful to have my friend, as you say, to lean on, but going cold turkey isn't necessarily easy for a lot of people, is it? But then I don't know what the alternative would be because I think obviously cold turkey can be very dangerous for someone who has, you know, is drinking at a very significant level. So they would always have to do it in the guidance of a drug and alcohol rehab facility. But if you haven't got that physical dependence, um, I think it's the only way to do it as long as it's with a, a, a community of other people. Because when, as soon as you start making rules around your drinking, that's people say to me, what are the signs? What are the signs that you need to change your relationship with alcohol? Or they ask me, how much were you drinking? Because they want to know what was my number? Because then if they drink less than that, then they're okay and they don't have to stop. But the answers I say to both of those questions are, it's not a number. 
it's a feeling. It's when you know that alcohol is starting to take more than it gives. Mm. That's when you know it's time to change that. And when you're making rules in your head around, right, I can only drink on a Friday and it's only if I'm out. I'm not allowed to drink in the house and I'm only allowed to drink after five o'clock and I can't drink on two consecutive days and I can't drink on Sunday lunchtime, but it's okay if I have one after four o'clock. It's exhausting. Uh-huh. I've done I it. I I've that oh my God, I've been there. And it is bloody exhausting. It's the discipline. It's like if you decide you want to go on a freaking diet. It's the same deal. It's exhausting. You know, it's just this this discipline. And the more more discipline you sort of put on yourself and the more rules, the more obsessed you become about it and the more you believe you're missing out. Like, you're right. And, And this is the thing is when you remove it altogether, the feeling that most of my women describe that they feel, the overriding word is freedom. Yeah. Yeah, um, and and speaking of, of women and, and and friendships, can I ask um, what? Did, tell me about your friendships. How how did it impact your friendships? If you don't mind sharing, no. What did you notice? It was hard because um, I've kind of done a lot of work on myself since I stopped drinking and understood that. For me, a big reason that I drank was it was my form of connection. Like connection is a really strong value for me. And, and it's um, I moved around a lot as a kid and I was always the new girl and I always didn't quite fit in. And when I discovered alcohol at 15, that was the time that I fit in. That was when we were all the same. We were all equal. It didn't matter that I was the new girl. And then I went to uni and then I met a whole new group of friends and we drank all the time. And then I moved to London, my first job, and we drank all the time. And alcohol just started to have this theme of being the way that I made new friends, the way that I connected with people was always through alcohol. So when we moved to Perth from the UK, and Perth is a very difficult city to move to, where from the UK, it's less transient than somewhere like Sydney or Melbourne. There's a lot of people that have been here all of their lives and and are very established and trying to kind of break into some friendship groups. It can be really hard. So my method, of course, was my go-to method was alcohol. So I did manage to surround myself with lots of people that enjoyed alcohol as much as I did, because of of course I did. That was what I loved doing and that was what they loved doing. So when I stopped drinking, there's no rule book for how to deal with that. And I don't think I dealt with it that well. And I don't know that my friends never intentionally, but sometimes I felt crap because I would see on Facebook certain things had happened that I hadn't been invited to because I wasn't drinking. And that hurts. Like that brings back those feelings of being the seven-year-old girl in the playground that didn't get picked to go and play the game or whatever. So I had to do a lot of work on myself around understanding that. But now I've reached the point of going, they weren't being mean. They just probably thought I, they didn't want me there or they didn't think I'd want to be there when what they're doing is, is getting pissed. So what I've found is that nearly all of my friendships went through a bit of a stage of needing to to recalibrate in some way and 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 get back to um a a different kind of friendship I guess that isn't just about getting drunk but you know I go out with them all the time and I'll be the driver and I don't mind driving them all home when they're pissed in the back of the car and and it's fine now but it just takes a while to kind of to, to sort itself out but what I've noticed as well is I've just met so many new people and my world has opened up in so many ways the sober community is the most warm and welcoming community um, that I've ever, you know, experienced. And, and I've made so many wonderful connections online. I've met, I now run a meetup group in Perth for women who want to socialize without booze because 
I want other women to know that there is a safe place to go because it can feel lonely. It can mm. feel really, really lonely. Yeah, absolutely. And um, thank you, Sarah. This is, you're, you're inspiring me no end. Um, now, aside from the fact that your skin is translucent, and for the listeners who can't see Sarah, she, you have no idea the glow. Um, I remember when I gave up alcohol, one of the first things to go was my foundation. It was really interesting. I found that if I wore foundation, it dulled my skin. Yeah. And I will confess to of having, I'll share this with my listeners now, 16 months in at the very end of lockdown, I, um, out of frustration for the lack of freedom that I had in my life, and, you know, I was lonely and just tired of the discipline and the control that I felt, I decided to have a gin. <laughs> it was a moment of rebellion. And ever since yeah. then, I have enjoyed the odd drink. But I am going to be um, very honest and say that what, what has come back since is my foundation. Yeah. And it's really interesting, that observation that my skin doesn't have the glow it did during that time. Um, so that's just a little side story. Your skin looks amazing. But can I ask you, um, aside from obviously that sense of freedom that you've mentioned, what do you think are the key, are your are the top benefits for having given giving up alcohol? I think there's two ways of there's the physical and then there's the mental. If we talk, mm. start with the mental because that's the number one for me. That's the been the most important one. When we stop drinking, it can be a real roller coaster. I'm sure you would have gone through this yourself. We have to sit with our emotions. So our emotions start coming, the good ones and the bad ones. So the highs that we experience were higher than I've ever felt before, but the lows were lower. And sometimes it could feel really, really like I was on this roller coaster because I wasn't numbing anymore. So I had to sit with my feelings. But what that has meant is, as um, I'll tell you something interesting, in the sober world, they say that when you stop drinking, you resort to having the emotional age that you were when you started drinking. Because... All you've done is use alcohol as your coping mechanism for all of that time. Most of the women in my group will started drinking the same as me around 15, 16 years old. So if all you've done for the last 30 years is use alcohol as your coping mechanism for when you feel happy, sad, frustrated, lonely, disappointed, angry, like all of those feelings, then all of a sudden you're sitting with them in all their full blown entirety. <laughs> Can I just mention something there that's just come to my mind? I remember years ago, um, a male sober friend of mine and I were talking on the phone and I was telling him how I was getting dressed up to go out on a date. And I said, oh, I'm just, just hang on a tick. I'm about to pour a gin or something. He said, what are you having a drink for? And I said, because I need it. I need the courage and I need to, because I feel really nervous. And he said something to me that stuck with me and really supported me through my sobriety. And that was, Ames, you need to learn to ride those emotions, ride yeah. the adrenaline, ride the excitement. It's thrilling. Yeah. He said, why do you keep choosing to dull the adrenaline and dull that excitement and that energy and all of that. Like, just feel yeah. it. It's life. Yeah. And I yeah. just, it actually really, it resonated and it really supported me. Yeah. yeah. It's so, so true. Hmm. And that has been like one of the greatest gifts. I feel like I know me now. For um, I'm 45 and I feel like I know who I am, what makes me tick, what makes me cross, what makes me happy. So I can meet my, my own needs now because I, I understand them. I understand where they come from. And like 
this might sound, you know, to some people who don't drink that much, like what, what you're a bit old to the party with this idea, but this is so new to me to be able to understand my emotions and meet my own needs when I, when I need to has been incredible. Um, to find joy and happiness and fulfillment in stuff that was there all along, I just never saw it. Mm. You know, like that, I get such moments of utter gratitude when I'm lying on the sofa with my daughter snuggled up on a Saturday afternoon watching a movie and just thinking, I missed all of this. Because every Saturday afternoon, it would be like, right, I've had the kids all week. You could have the kids. I'm going to get pissed with my girlfriends. And, and I miss so much about the real stuff that actually is my core values of what's important to me. Yeah. So all of that, my energy, mental clarity, like motivation, like all of that, weight loss. My hormones are now balanced for the first time as, a, as an adult. Like my estrogen was so high, it was off the chart. And um, so that is now completely all in range because I think what happens is when you go on a journey of giving up booze, you also go on a bit of a, a health and nutrition journey as well, because of course you, you're naturally curious about how can I support my body more now that I've removed alcohol. So all of that and, um, and just having the, 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 the self-love, I suppose, um, the, the negative thoughts in my head are so rare now compared to what they used to be like like the anxiety has pretty much gone of course I get nervous but it's healthy nervous in a good way about things that I'm meant to be nervous about I don't sit for like really churning over you know what did that woman mean when she said that to me at the school gate this morning I wonder if I've really pissed her off or you know like, I just don't go there anymore I've got skills now to help manage my mind that mm. I just never had before because all I had in my toolbox before was a bottle of wine Mm, amazing it's oh I hope lots of women listen to this message um I from so from in terms of the way that you work with women now um can they I because I, I understand you run a couple of groups is that true a couple of communities online communities can you tell us yeah. a bit more about those so I've got the one in Perth, which is the meetup group. So we meet up once a month. Um, but the, the broader group that I have is the Women's Wellbeing Collective. And that's, um, that's a free online Facebook group for women who want to, I guess, share and support and explore. It's not just about alcohol. We talk about hormones. We talk about gut health. We talk about um, the inner critic. We talk about, you know, just, just women as we're aging. Um, it was interesting. I did um, an, an interview with an online magazine um, in March where I shared my story about what I told you at the start of this podcast about when I fell over and smashed my face and my daughter and then that being the start of me getting sober. Um, and they shared that and that 1,700 women emailed me in a weekend. Oh my say, God. You just told my story. But this is what I mean when I say there's no one out there offering support to women who want to change their relationship with alcohol but don't identify as being an alcoholic so where do they go to get support yeah it's interesting and actually and I, I, one note that I wanted to come back to was your mention around hormones because I've been I'm nearly 49 and I've had on the podcast recently I spoke we were speaking about Mary, perimenopause and and I asked women to tell me you know what are some of their symptoms or what have they experienced or what's helped them and it's been interesting the number of people that have said they've had they've dropped alcohol yeah because it's just exact they've realized that their anxiety has just been worsening as a result of it as they go through perimenopause so it's a really good thing to be aware of 
Yeah, I so I, I'm running an alcohol-free challenge at the moment for July, and I had a guest speaker come in talking about the impact of alcohol on our hormones as we age. Because one of the other key things for me was my sleep. Alcohol was affecting my sleep so much. It didn't matter whether I had a glass of wine or a bottle of wine. I was still waking up at 3 a.m. with the sweats, with the unable to get back to sleep, tossing and turning. Then the self-loathing starts. I shouldn't have had that extra glass. How am I going to get through the day? It's only three o'clock. I've got a whole day of work ahead of me. Like that was just awful. And it feels like the loneliest time in the world when you feel like you're the only one that's awake. And, yeah. it's just, and then, and as, you, as you said before, when you start feeling really good, you want to make better choices. And I remember um, I use an app called Pocketbook, which tracks all my finances and all my expenditure. And I looked at that recently and I could see all the times I used Uber Eats when I was sober compared to previously and and post and yeah. it's fascinating because I just stopped yeah. ordering grilled burgers and whatever else because yeah. I was thinking I just wanted to feel better and it's amazing isn't it but of course when you're hungover and you're tired you go to the sugar and to the carbohydrates and the comfort food and that yeah. leaves you feeling more shit and so then you think bugger it's going to be a glass of wine to soften this such a vicious cycle it really is um and that's why I'm just you know there's only one of me well no there's not only one of me there are other women in Australia starting to to retrain in this area more and more because there's certainly not any um shortage of people that want this help and support Mm. and so I run alcohol-free challenges I work with women one-to-one who identify as grey area drinkers because what I do is a neurotransmitter questionnaire with them because the reason that I find most women drink is a lot to do with anxiety so anxiety is a really key one for women um, and they're drinking because they feel stressed and overwhelmed and anxious and that's what brings them down lots of the women I work with have never fallen asleep without alcohol because that's their thing to help them at night. And so I do this neurotransmitter questionnaire and it tells me what people are deficient in. And then we can start adding in to support the body naturally, whether it's dopamine, whether it's serotonin, whether it's GABA. And all of these neurotransmitters are so important to repairing the gut, to repairing the brain, to getting all of our hormones working in balance. So that's what I do one-to-one. And then I have a group coaching program called Rediscovering Me because it, what I find is when women stop drinking, they don't know who the hell they are because they have been drinking for such a long time. So Rediscovering Me is an eight-week program to go on a journey to uncover all of that stuff. We look at what are our limiting beliefs? We look at what are our strengths? What are our tendencies? What um, are, who are the people in our life? What impact do they have on us? How do we prioritize our self-care? How are we meeting our own needs? So all of that, which just ties in really well with going on this journey of sobriety, because as I said to you at the start, my focus is not on removing alcohol. My focus is on what are we adding into our lives so we don't even need the alcohol. Mm, that's right. And the beautiful thing about um, this mention of community is exactly what you've already said, is that it is it can be a really lonely journey trying to do this on your own and not having somebody else who understands and you can lean on when you're having a really tough day and you've got to feel all the crap feeling coming up and out and you can't soften yeah. it. So having a community to be a part of is just so powerful so where um should women go and i'll of course include all of the links to all of your work on the show notes but can you just let us know now where they will where they could find you yeah so on instagram and facebook it's um at slr wellness my website is slrwellness.com and the free facebook group is the women's well-being collective 
Wonderful. Excellent. So what would what would be the final thing you might say to a woman who's sitting listening, thinking, oh my gosh, maybe this is what I need to do. Maybe I should just do it. What would you say to her? Do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 what I say to all my ladies is this. Let's just say you started drinking at 15 and let's just say you drink until you're 75. That's 60 years in your adult years of never knowing you without booze. Why don't you just give yourself a chance of taking a break? And, and I don't ever say forever because that's way too scary. And um, maybe three months or six months. What's that out of 60 years? As just a chance of it, seeing it as an experiment to get to know who you are without booze because there's a chance that you might really like her. Yeah. And that's what I find with all of the women that I work with. I ran a challenge in um, April. Um, I ran a challenge in January and I'm running a challenge now. And lots of the ladies in my challenge now started with me in January and they're still off the booze. Um, and they are just so loving this way of living. Um, the majority of the women that I work with, I'd say are from kind of late 30s to mid 50s. That kind of age group seems to be the real age when women just want that, that extra support and, and connection. Mm. Sarah, thank you so much for such um, an inspiring chat. And I'm so, um, you've inspired me to reconsider my ongoing journey, not only because I'm getting to admire your beautiful glowy skin, but for so many other reasons. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. This was episode 24 of Woman, Conversations for the Curious, a podcast with Amy Crawford of The Holistic Ingredient. Whilst I have you, if you've been enjoying this podcast series and you feel called to, I'd so appreciate it if you could take two minutes to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. It'd mean the world. Meanwhile, you can find all the relevant show notes over at theholisticingredient.com forward slash 24. Until next time, stay curious.